c'est vrai. Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton... I'm not a Tory, I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict. I'm Jessica. And I'm still Janelle. And today we're doing a topic, I assume, about a missing person or a murder, because it is a Janelle week. Am I that predictable? Do you know me that I well? I stereotype you, I don't want to pigeonhole you, but I think that's my way to be. <laughs> okay, well, in fairness, the last episode that I researched was a school shooting. Um, Spreading your wings, Janelle. Yeah, and since uh, researching what was Canada's worst mass shooting until literally this afternoon... As of as of recording, yeah, awkward. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, that was that was that is a sort of unfortunate aspect of this podcast where like I looked at the headline, and I'm like, ooh, new rec- record. <laughs> oh, it's not a record we wanted to set. Yeah, we set Canada's 31 year record for mass shooting deaths was broken today, uh, about an hour from where whoops. I'm sitting now. Uh, whoops. In rural Nova Scotia, of all places. Yeah, in a town about a population of a hundred. I've been I've been living in Harlem for the last three years. My parents were convinced I was going to get shot any day, and then the worst <laughs> instance of gun violence to occur in close proximity to me happens when I go home to rural Nova Scotia. Like, <laughs> just... Oh. oh, fun stuff. Oh, nothing is safe in this life is, is not terror. not a populated area. There's <laughs> safety is an illusion, and the universe is a cold, uncaring void. Yeah, the shooter might have been this wealthy denturist. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, no, he he worked with my mom's friend. My mom's my mom's like best friend worked at his denture clinic. This is Nova Nova Scotia has approximately thirty six people, and we're all related to each other. It's uh, it's it's been a weird day. (laughs) You never know who you know. Yeah, apparently he's a he was a mild mannered denturist, but that's that's gonna be its own episode, I'm sure. Once once we've had time to. let the dust settle on that one for a little bit, and the the next of kin have been notified. You know, we'll let them bury the bodies first. We're not we're not quite at the point where we need to mine today's news for podcast topics. We're still mining cases from thirty years ago, which is what we're going to be doing today. Woo! The past is less painful than the present. <laughs> yeah, since writing 21 pages of notes on the Ecole Polytechnique massacre sort of felt like staring straight into the eye of Satan's asshole, I decided to choose a more cheerful topic <laughs> this week, um, which that was that was an incredibly low bar. <laughs> this is cheerier than 14 murders. Uh, y- yeah, so we're going to be doing a child abduction. Hooray! <laughs> Yay! Yeah, uh, but straight up, this is this is not your run-of-the-mill child abduction. No, sir. We only cover the fanciest <laughs> child abductions here on Fat French and Fabulous. Gourmet. Locally sourced. <laughs> or, organic child abduction. Uh, but interestingly enough, even though we are talking about a 36-year-old cold case this week, there is at least a fair chance that the child involved in this is actually still alive and just doesn't know that mm. she's a victim of a child abduction. I mean, that's happened to all of us at some point or another. Don't, I mean, we're actually gonna come around to that, but I mean, yeah, don't you just hate it when 
you know, you apply for a social security number at the age of 21 and then you realize that you were actually kidnapped from a national park at the age of four. I hate it when that happens. All the time. <laughs> Hashtag me. What a common daily inconvenience <laughs> that I face every day. Um, <laughs> that is life. So we're going to dive right in and we're going to talk about the disappearance of Nyleen K. Marshall. Nyleen? Nyleen. N. Y-L-E-E-N. I mean, I don't know why I spelt that for you. It's going to be right on the podcast episode Nileen. title. But yes, Nyleen. I know, it uh, It sounds. I, I assume that maybe it was a popular <laughs> regional name at a very specific point I in hope. time. But I've, I've never heard the name Nyleen before. Um, I don't hate it. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, it's fine. It's just weird. It's it's a little unusual, but um, yeah. So if the if the name Nyleen sounds like at all familiar to you, like just stir something in the back of your brain, and you're an approximately forty year old woman who doesn't know much about her real mom, maybe take a DNA test. <laughs> if that one rings a bell, cause ho, oh. we'll we'll come around to this. We know we know a little bit about who Nyleen would be today if she is in fact still alive. So we're gonna get to all this because it gets real fucking weird really fast. Hope whoever took her gave her a normal name. No, whoever Mary took her. Sue. I mean, spoiler alert. Whoever took her called her by her middle name, Kay. But we don't actually know if that's the name that he that he called her to her face. We just know that that's the name he decided to send on all of his uh, correspondence with the police. But we'll get into that. So, uh, Nyleen K. Marshall was born on September eighteenth, nineteen seventy eight, and grew up in the small town of Alhambra, Montana. 15 miles south of the state capital of Helena, Montana, or Helena? Helena. I've I've never gotten this right at any point in my life. Um, it's beyond me. Hmm? Is it near Mount St. Helen? Did it no. explode? No. I don't know a lot about <laughs> like, geography or geology. If it's not an active volcano, I don't care. <laughs> it's the solid Jessica approach. <laughs> Is it going to gonna explode? No. Fuck off. <laughs> Jessica has no idea where she is right now because she's not near an active volcano. <laughs> if there is no chance the floor will ever be lava, do I need, really need to pay attention? Every now and then Jessica just glimpses the ocean across the street and just she's got a vague idea she's on the coast. Other than that, no idea. <laughs> it's, it's a complete mystery. Hawaii is to my west. <laughs> I know not but that. <laughs> Your entire day is just like that terrible 50 first dates movie you just wake up having no idea what's going on yeah i just have a vague tingling in the back of my neck that tells me where the san andreas fault is <laughs> incredible it's uh, instinctual but, but no so nyleen was growing up in sort of a small town uh in montana and um uh she grew up with her mother two siblings and her stepfather so her stepfather kim was a student at helena college university of montana which is a terrible name for both the person and the school. And he was taking courses in electronics and was reportedly a ham radio enthusiast, which incredibly is relevant to this case. <laughs> I thought that was just some color you were throwing in. I didn't bring up a ham radio just for my health. There's just, there's a reason. We'll get, get people excited <laughs> with the ham radio. I, we, know, we know all you folks out there at home, all you fatties, you're big fans of ham radio. Since nobody in my family is a long-haul truck driver, I barely know what ham radio is. The fatties know what they like, and they like ham. 
Specifically, the, the radio variety. I don't think I don't know much about ham radio, but I do know that you do not speak directly into a ham. I I feel confident about that part of it. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then I'm incredibly disappointed, and we should do away with the whole concept of human speech. <laughs> Jessica's just like staring suspiciously at a ham that talks back to her. <laughs> I'm like, every ham I've ever met talked. Why do you think I'm a vegetarian? (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Um, So Nyleen's mother, Nancy, was a waitress at a steakhouse. And there's really not a a lot of other background information available on Nyleen or the Marshall family. Because they appeared to be a pretty normal family right up until the day their four-year-old daughter vanished off the face of the earth. For her part, Nyleen was described as loving animals in the outdoors, although she sort of disliked getting dirty, which is pretty typical four-year-old girl stuff. You're kind of limited in the interests you can yeah. develop by the age of four. That pretty much checks uh, all the boxes. So she was a child. <laughs> Makes she, sense. She was a human child. That's that's about as much information as I have for you. <laughs> Excellent. That's about as much personality as you expect when they're that big. <laughs> By the age of four, yeah, you haven't started working on your memoirs and you've never... You haven't really peaked. ...found yourself in Europe, you know? You know, you haven't gone on your Eat, Pray, Love style adventure to Europe, so you're really... You're basically an amoeba. (laughs) Unless you had a ska phase and then briefly got really into the works of Henry David Thoreau, don't talk to me, you're a literal child. (laughs) I have standards to tell. <laughs> so on June twenty fifth, nineteen eighty-three. On June twenty-fifth, nineteen eighty-three, the Marshall family attended a field day organized by Kim's Ham Radio Club, the Capital City Radio Club. The field day was taking place at the picnic grounds in the Elkhorn Mountains in the southern part of the Helena National Forest. This was supposed to be like a fun, wholesome family outing. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term, a field day is just sort of a day of outdoor sports and activities. My school used to do them, and it was like the one day a year that my chubby ass did shot puts that I didn't have to run. <laughs> <laughs> you had to sign up for five things. There was 18 running events and five track and field. I did a lot of shitty long jump. I'm going to be strategic about this because I don't want my heart to explode before I hit 20. <laughs> right? It was like, look, you can run 400 meters or you can humiliate yourself in a sand pit. I picked the pit. <laughs> I choose death. I choose the pit. Bring me shame, but do not bring me sweat. <laughs> Listen, if you're a heavy set girl in middle school, they just assume you're on the shot put team. You don't even have to try out. They just hand you a shot put. Uh, You look like you're used to dealing with a level of torque when you turn your body. Here you go. Don't worry about it, kid. Here you go. (laughs) My gym teacher vastly overestimated my shot put capabilities and very nearly lost the ability to have children when I hurled one straight at his crotch. It (laughs) It was not clear to me at which point in the arc you were supposed to let go of the shot put, so I just sort of... I just winged it, what? and yeah, I nearly winged it right into my gym teacher's pelvis, which was the end of my athletic career. <laughs> <laughs> he quite fairly decided that 
for the sake of his own testes and familial future, that you were done with sports. <laughs> the following year, I was strongly discouraged from going out for Javelin. <laughs> I feel like it may have been connected. <laughs> <laughs> I have been fairly judged. Pass is not prologue, sir. <laughs> Give me another chance. <laughs> But uh, during this field day, Nyleen was playing with some other children at the edge of a small creek roughly a hundred yards from the picnic site. A 13-year-old girl had been assigned to watch the younger children, including four-year-old Nyleen, as they played. At around 4 p.m., the teenage girl told Nyleen to stand in a specific spot for a few minutes while she ran back to the campsite to get something. As she ran off, Nyleen called after her, My brother can run faster than you. Which was the last thing anyone would ever hear from Nyleen. Little shit. Um, you know, if, if you're gonna have last words, they may as well be sort of mean. <laughs> Make an impression. <laughs> when the teenager returned to the creek a few minutes later, Nyleen was gone. Two of the other children who had been playing near Nyleen said that they had seen a man in a purple jogging suit emerge from the trees just a few feet from where Nyleen was standing. Which is not suspicious at all. <laughs> Just dress like the Joker for all your kidnappings. I just hate it when you're out in the woods and a man in a bright purple jogging suit emerges from the trees like some sort of Bigfoot. Like if Bigfoot had skinned Barney the Dinosaur and was wearing him as a coat. Yeah, there's There was a lot of jokes you could have made, with, uh, made right there and you found the worst one. That's the worst possible... <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm going to see that behind yeah. my fucking eyelids for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> I kind of made a very different joke because I was, I was walking around the other day uh, in, my, in, my, in my don't touch myself mask to keep remind myself not to touch my own face because, you know, the vid. And I, I can't see with it very well on because I can't wear my glasses underneath it. And I saw, like, this really, like, long, thin figure in black and purple about 20 feet in front of me that just sort of darted away. And, like, it was probably just a dude out for a jog, but some part of me is just super convinced it was Waluigi. (laughs) (laughs) He's real, and he lives in Stanley Park. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think Waluigi's the closest to any Mario character has come to being Slenderman. So. (laughs) (laughs) The meld of those two characters is horrifying. (laughs) 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 If slash fiction of these characters exists, I will lick public doorknobs until I die. (laughs) That's the only reasonable response. Let the viral load embrace me. (laughs) I enter Valhalla. (laughs) I already know that Dobby slash Hagrid exists, so oh. I'm done. I'm just a ruined man. <laughs> Bring me the void. Honest to God. <laughs> I wish for death. May I be scattered into the winds. May my energy rejoin the universe. <laughs> God. So... I've had enough. I want off the ride. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Valkyries and their chariots come to take me away. That's... That's all I want. <laughs> um, so when the man in the purple <laughs> jogging suit, who may or may not have been Waluigi in the year 1983, <laughs> um, when he emerged... Oh, it's just this is the only thing I can picture now. So he reportedly... Wah! tried. 
<laughs> he reportedly tried to speak to both of the children, but one child simply ignored him and the other one ran away. But in later investigations, after Nyleen's disappearance, both children independently told authorities that Nyleen had told them she'd spoken with the man. She reportedly said that he told her to follow the shadow. Um, these children were, were interviewed independently of one another without having had a chance to discuss their stories. And the fact that they both reported the same comment uh, really mm. stuck out to investigators for obvious reasons. Yeah, most witnesses are not reliable, and children especially not. If they have the same story, then jeez. Yeah, it's a little spooky, especially because the man uh, didn't clarify what the fuck that means. And it's like, is that exactly what he said, or is this just filtered through a child talking to another child? It's hard to say. Like, this is a 36-year-old cold case that really didn't receive a ton of media attention uh, in the internet age. This is There's a lot of old cold cases that have sort of persisted. Um, we've covered a lot of very famous cold cases on this show that have had a lot of media attention or a lot of attention in true crime circles, even though a lot of time has gone by. Um, we have the disappearance of Aisha Degree, the disappearance of Maura Murray. Um, this case n- has never really had that kind of media attention. Articles on it are, are hard to come by. I ended up having to read a lot of scanned microfiche articles from 1983 to research this case. Don't say I never do anything for you. We work hard. (laughs) Not often, but hard. I had to read a real goddamn newspaper that was not digitized. It was traumatic. I couldn't copy and paste anything. It was was (laughs) tiny. I couldn't have it. I couldn't even have a maca latte while I read it. God damn it. I just, I want so badly to- the library. All I want to do in this entire world right now is go to a pretentious cafe, spend six dollars for a latte, and then pretend to work on a blank word document. That's all that I want in this world. And apparently that's too much to ask for. (laughs) But I digress. That's my natural habitat. So, the search for Nyleen was organized almost immediately after her disappearance was noticed. Unlike a lot of other cold cases we've covered, where the police take too long to respond, and that's most of the reason that evidence was lost, Nyleen's disappearance was taken seriously right away because of her age and the circumstances of her disappearance. A four-year-old going missing in a yeah, national park, it's, it's always been a huge deal. I mean, we, we hear stories about how they really didn't take the disappearances of children seriously up until a couple of years ago, but no, four-year-old missing in the woods, it's, it's always been a big deal. Yeah, especially when, like, there's a suspect. Well, interestingly enough, they didn't really go with the abduction angle right away. Uh, it was only after the ground mm. searches were fruitless that they started to, to consider this. In contemporary articles that came out in the days after her disappearance, they specifically state over and over that they don't su- suspect abduction or foul play. They thought initially that this was just a straightforward case of a child going missing in the woods. The Marshall family belonged to the Church of Latter-day Saints, and for days after her disappearance, over a hundred Mormons volunteered to comb the park in search of her. So just swarming Mormons all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) They're an invasive species. They'll destroy the natural habitat. (laughs) I'm gonna force other other similar species out of their niche. I just, I'm just, I'd love to see, like, a ranger station that's, like, invasive species, like, this particular plant, this particular fish, Elder Cunningham. (laughs) 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 Love it. But yeah, the FBI also got involved with the search, because missing child in a national park, and they sent out various teams to search the area. 
At the height of the search for Nylene, there were almost 400 professionals and volunteers out in the woods looking for her. So the area that Nylene disappeared in immediately posed problems for the search team. The area was thickly forested with a lot of low-lying juniper bushes and underbrush, and since small kids tend to instinctually curl up under bushes or plants and hide when they get lost in the woods, that sort of posed a problem. Young children also don't tend to respond when rescuers call their name. They get scared and just sort of shelter in place, to borrow a phrase I've heard 400 times this week. Uh, So that immediately posed a problem. They were very afraid that they could walk right past Nylene without seeing her. The underbrush was so dense that they also could not get horses through the woods, which really limited their ability to cover a lot of ground quickly. The terrain was extremely rugged because they're in the mountains, and it was dotted with creeks, uneven ground, beaver dams, and old mine shafts. So pretty much the worst place you could lose track of a four-year-old. Reportedly, a team of Mormon volunteers got, quote, over-enthusiastic and ended up getting lost and spending a night in the woods before being rescued themselves. Uh, So, (laughs) yeah. It's bad. It's the sort of area where even adults can they're, they're get lost very easily. They're used to the wilds easily. of Utah. They, they can't deal with the texture of hilly plains. <laughs> they're used to the salt flats, you know. <laughs> Just a gaggle of confused Mormons halfway up a mountain. That, that's the problem with people who, you know, they get a pet for their kids around the holidays. You know, they don't realize how big they grow. And then, you know, and they don't realize that they might have some bad habits, like barking or going door to door talking about the word of Joseph Smith and then they abandon them and they abandon them in the woods and it's really da- damaging to the local ecosystem but it's also damaging to the Mormon themselves and they like, they don't deserve that they deserve a loving home and it's really and there's so many of these irresponsible breeders just it's disgusting <laughs> I'm not sure what part of the phrase don't buy your children a pet Mormon is the most offensive <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm not I even. Mean, I'm not saying you can't buy your child a pet Mormon, but you should need. You need to be responsible for it. You need to consider what kind of an obligation, what kind of responsibility this is. Ask if your child's ready for that, or if you're ready to help your child meet that expectation. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. even sure if it's more offensive the idea that you can keep Mormons as pets, or that Mormons are bad pets. I I don't even know where to begin with that one. Don't. Don't release children I mean, or loose Mormons they're, they're, into the They're woods. a bigger breed. They're a bigger breed, and you know they have a pretty pretty narrow gene pool due to the uh, the inbreeding into into in clan line breeding, and you know that really it gives them some health problems. And you have to be ready if if you're gonna look after one, you have to be ready to be prepared for that. They they might not have the longevity you're expecting, and you know kids get they get so attached to elders these days. Oh, it's just tragic. <laughs> Just so don't give your ch- children a fundamentalist Mormon. They're too inbred. Get them a regular Mormon from good stuff. I don't I don't even know where to begin with that. You're going to get us hate mail. <laughs> if if they're if a Mormon ignores the explicit tag, they're a bad Mormon and they're not going to want to admit to having listened. Well, it's like it's like the particular coven, the particular mutual understanding of all the relatives who don't shut their eyes during prayer. It's like we know who you are. This is a brotherhood. <laughs> Growing up Catholic did things to you. Things that can never be undone. <laughs> <laughs> Ha ha ha!
Yeah. Um, but by all accounts, Nyleen really should not have been able to get even as far as a gaggle of loose Mormons. At the time of her disappearance, she was barefoot and wearing peach-colored shorts and a yellow top, which is not exactly tactical wilderness gear. No, that's pretty... Built to be seen. <laughs> pretty much the logical opposite of camo. I I can't get to the end of my driveway suit. without shoes on, so I really don't... <laughs> I, I don't know how far she really mm. could have gone on her own. No, I, I doubt she's been training the soles of her feet to deal with the harsh, wind, harsh woods. Yeah, she's also dressed like a literal traffic light, so I really don't know where... <laughs> yeah. How you lose a child... She sounds like a marzipan cupcake. Yellow and peach don't really blend in in... Uh, I mean, I guess it's fall when she disappears. It's September 18th, but... But regardless, the teams conducted numerous ground searches and the FBI investigated all abandoned mine shafts in the area. A team of divers searched all nearby rivers and lakes and they came up empty-handed. Dogs were used in the search, and a search dog did briefly pick up her trail in the woods, but it quickly lost the trail and was unable to find it again. Since there were three to four hundred people tromping around the woods at the time, and they didn't bring the dog into the search until several days in, it's believed that the quality of any scent that might have been there was probably compromised mm. by the time the dogs arrived. Yeah, all they can smell is this uh, hot, sweaty Mormon. Yeah, that's not fair on a dog. Mormons are their natural enemy. <laughs> You fill a similar ecological niche. I'm not sure that getting blacklisted by the Mormon church is a milestone that podcasts aim for. (laughs) It would be a feather in our cap, Janelle. Next, the Rastafarians. Also, hang on. I have to run to the bathroom so you get to sit here and think about what you've done. You reflect on your evil thoughts. I will be back. Okay. Um, where's my notes? Yes, um, so in the search for Nyleen, they even flew a helicopter over the area with an infrared heat sensor, which was honestly not technology I thought they had in 1983. Yeah, Um, but they were unable to pick up, right? I was like, that's, that's some high-tech shit. High-tech. Bet you had to put in several forms in triplicate for that. That is fancy. Like, we've... We've covered missing persons cases that took place 20 years yeah. after this one, where they were like, I don't know, we looked both ways up and down the street, and they weren't there. So mm. I guess we give up. They're missing I, forever. Yeah, they were insufficiently <laughs> you know? adorable. They needed to miss more front teeth. Look, if, if you're a little blonde girl with dimples, you get the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they do. They, they, they're, they're careful about how they spend their resources, only the cute shit gets, you know, gets a chop. <laughs> when you're applying for a helicopter for your missing child, it's like pigtails, yes or no, check the box. Like, <laughs> we haven't got all day, lady. <laughs> we need this information well, for she... uh, reasons. Reasons. <laughs> well, they got the helicopter and it didn't help at all. They mm. did not pick up any trace of her. 
And unfortunately for Nylene, she disappeared on a warm and sunny Saturday afternoon, but temperatures that night dropped into the 40s in Fahrenheit, which is around 5 to 10 degrees Celsius, and it rained heavily on Sunday and Monday, turning the ground to Mm. muck and making the search difficult. Ground searches began to drop off, and the search effort for Nylene Marshall was gradually scaled down and abandoned in the days after she disappeared. Like I mentioned before, newspapers at the time, and the... When I say at the time, these are newspapers that came out in the first two to three days after her disappearance. Um, they ruled out foul play or the possibility as a kid of a kidnapping. And as far as they were concerned, this was a cut and dry case of a little girl getting lost in the woods. Mm. Um, when they were unable to find her, they did get this story from the children about this man in the purple jogging suit. Who may or may not be Waluigi, I guess. Um, <laughs> but they... They weren't able to find any more information about who this person was, and the case pretty much went cold until 1985. So on the 27th of November 1985, which is a little more than two years after Nylene disappeared into the wilderness, uh, the National Missing and Unidentified Person System, known as NAMIS, um, they're a national resource center for uh, their national resource center and database, yeah, for missing and unidentified persons. They received an anonymous phone call from a man who claimed that he had abducted Nylene Marshall. Odd time to take credit for that. It's an odd thing to do. It's an odd thing to call. When you call a resource center for missing children, they, they don't really expect you to be like, yeah, I have them, and then <laughs> hang up the phone. I took it. <laughs> Thanks, not giving it back. I mean, it's... It's helpful if you are, in fact, harboring a long-missing child. Please do call Namus and let them know. But yeah, uh, also consider letting the child go. Yeah, like, I, I, I thought you were supposed to be helping. You're not supposed to be just letting us know. Just for your information, I have this child. Straight-up sinister <laughs> shit. Like, ideally... Ideally, you also give them back. But it's a, it's a start. At least let them know... That they're alive. Yeah, I mean, like, both are good, one is better. By a lot. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Do what you can. We, are, we on Fat Fetch and Fabulous are apparently have some troubling beliefs about Mormons, but we are firmly against harboring missing children in your basement. Yeah. We are anti-child abduction. Yeah, I, unless, unless it's like a Mormon child and you're just like adopting it off the street. You know, because it's really a shame they have these these overfillable shelters where they're just gonna go and they're gonna have this miserable ex- miserable existence until they're put down at the age of fifteen. Really, you're just saving them from a life of hardship. Just you know, taking a Mormon if you see I'm... one out, just wandering the streets. You know, check to see if they have a collar, check to see if they're microchip, maybe bring them to a vet. But then, you know, if you have it in your heart and you have it, you know, you have the resources. You know, take them in. You know, give them a home. You know, adopt a Mormon today. I'm Checking I'm increasingly certain that you don't know what a Mormon is. <laughs> you just you just walk by a church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you're just like, oh, it's so sad. Look at this little shelter. You know, for you, you you swing by the church they of must Latter-day Saints, you. you know. Are we there? Hello?
our Skype call just timed out, which is uh, God stuff. himself telling us to stop picking on Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you swing by a Church of Latter-day Saints, you know, you fill out a card, uh, they do a background check on you, make sure that you're, you're, you're good to go, that you don't have a history of abusing Mormons, and then you, you know, you, you know, like, and you, like, really, I want to encourage you to adopt uh, an elder Mormon, you know, they're, uh... <laughs> They're, they're often, you know, people always want, they like, they want a baby or they want a, they want a young Mormon, you know, still has got, like, hope in their eyes. But really adopting an older Mormon is one of the best things you can do. <laughs> I'm going to know exactly when the Mormon Church of Vancouver allows door-to-door proselytizing again after this pandemic ends. Because it's going to make the news <laughs> when they come to your house. Uh, you know, in a pandemic, people are just, they're looking for, they're looking for companionship. And sometimes so the best thing you can find is just a, a friendly Mormon elder who wanders away from the group. <laughs> I, I've got, a, I've got an elder myself. His, uh, his name is Pete. Uh, it used to be Sandy, but you know, I thought he looked like more of a Pete. We're really lucky uh, that our, our landlord allows pets. I'm just envisioning like two terrified 19-year-old Mormon elders come to your door and all of a sudden you're like stroking their hair and feeding them dog biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> just terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. You're gonna end up on the news for trying to walk a Mormon. It's it's not gonna go well. <laughs> They'll understand. They're they're a kind breed. They're warm eyes and you know, <laughs> little short little tails that they wiggle. Their magic underpants. Oh, somebody's so so filing a restraining order. Oh my god. <laughs> I will, I will write the Mormon church a letter of support in getting a restraining order <laughs> against you. I mean, if, if Kim Jong-il can have a pet Mormon, why can't I? Come on. This is, this is, this is latest. Laws. <laughs> Laws and I... ethics, Jessica. <laughs> Solid reasons. Um. Uh, if, if every North Korean dictator adopted a Mormon, would you? Peer pressure is what that is. It's keeping up with the Joneses or the Kims is a word. Oh no. Kardashian oh, no. ill. <laughs> oh, this is illegal. <laughs> so several months after this anonymous phone call arrived at the Anamis offices, uh, a typed letter postmarked from Madison, Wisconsin, arrived at the New York offices of Child Find of America, which is another missing children's nonprofit. Um, in January of 1986, apparently sent by the anonymous caller. The letter was forwarded to Wisconsin authorities. And although the full contents of this letter have never been made public, uh, a man, the man who wrote the letter claimed to have abducted Nyleen, whom he referred to as Kay, her middle name, from the area of the park. Authorities have said that the letter writer was privy to things that a normal person would not have access to, and they felt that the letter was authentic as it contained details never released to the public that only the kidnapper could have known. A a copy of this letter was also sent to the marshals themselves, Uh, and at around the time that the letter arrived, Child Fine began to receive anonymous calls from the same man, claiming that he had Nyleen. 
These phone calls were traced to phone booths in Edgerton, Wisconsin, which is a small town of around 5,000 people, located 30 minutes southeast of Madison. But as soon as the phone booths were traced by law enforcement, the calls stopped, and he never called again. Is he asking for anything, or is he just informing them repeatedly that he has their daughter? No, he's just- he doesn't want anything, and in fact, he- in the letters, he makes it quite clear that he's not willing to give her back. Police have released some quotes from the typewritten letter that was sent, giving a rough idea of the life the kidnapper claimed to have built with Nylene. Um, and we haven't had a content warning yet this episode, because so far it's been pretty run-of-the-mill mild stuff. Um, yeah, Mormon baiting. Sure. Jessica's <laughs> weird to the fact that Jessica wants to legally own a Mormon, notwithstanding. Um, but this is, we're, I'm not their we're about to have a content friend. warning. <laughs> we're about to have a non-Mormon related content warning because some of what the kidnapper has to say is pretty fucked up. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So you've been warned. Due um, diligence accomplished. Due diligence. This is about to get kind of messed up a little bit. Um, so the first excerpt of the letter reads, I didn't want their person to try to get information from her. All I could tell them was that she was okay. I hope child find can get the following back to her family. I picked Kay up on the road in the Elkhorn Park area between Helena and Boulder. She was crying and frightened, and as I held her, she was shaking, and I decided that I would keep her and love her. I took her home with me. I have a nice investment income, and I can work from home, so I care for her myself all the time. I teach her at home, and she likes to go with me when I travel. Her hair is short and curly now, and she has really grown. She's about 45 inches and around 50 pounds. She has all four of her permanent upper and two of her lower incisors at this time. She takes a bath and brushes her teeth every day. She eats well. Her favorite pizza, her favorite meal is pizza and cherry. I assume it's supposed to be cherry coke, but it just cuts off there. The second excerpt reads, She would gladly recount to you trips to San Francisco, New York, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Nashville, Chicago, Puerto Rico, and Canada. We were even in Britain for a month last year and she loved it. In brackets, nobody questions passports. And the last excerpt, the one that gets uh, really weird, reads, It is or where it comes from. It kind of cuts in in the middle of a sentence. It is or where it comes from, only that I get it from the bathroom every morning. It is actually a spoonful of my semen. It doesn't affect her physically. I have never, air quotes, molested her in any other way. She is a sweet little girl, and it is because of how much I have grown to love her that I realize how much her family must miss her. But she has adjusted and seems happy. She trusts me and isn't afraid. We play a lot, and she laughs when we clown around. She smiles and acts coy when I tease her. She giggles when we snuggle and hugs me sometimes for no apparent reason. I love her and I have her. I just can't let her go. Okay. So not great. So oh, not great. It's okay, not great. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you start this letter and you're like, okay, this is a lonely man who picked up a child in the mountains and took her home. And it's like, all right, that's a little weird. Why would a man pick up a lost girl and just adopt her like a puppy or a Mormon? But then it's, it's because he was feeding her semen every morning, which is, that's, that's fucked up. That's not, nope, don't do that. Don't feed your semen to a child. That's, I don't, nope, 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 
no sugar in that. It's actually quite salty. Um, sorry, mom. But uh, yeah, I feel like don't don't feed your semen to a child is not a sentence I ever expected to have to say because who the fuck needs to be told that? But apparently, there are people in this world for whom that is not clear. Read between the lines a little bit. Don't feed children your semen. I mean, I feel like there's gotta be, it's gotta be illegal. There's gotta be some sort of law that kind of covers, like, oh, yeah, no, is. semen. Not for children. <laughs> that's uh, a no. That's, that's, I mean, kidnap, that's a no kidnapping is us. illegal, so we're already pretty covered uh, there. Two wrongs but, uh, to make a right. Yeah, no, it's pretty bad. It's, pr- <laughs> it's pretty boy. bad. Because at first you're oh, like, boy. okay, this is, this is a sad, lonely soul. I mean, and it's not even clear that the letter writer is in fact a man until we get to the I feed her my own semen part, and you're like, ah, uh, yes, man. Definitely okay. a man, then. Cool. Women, notably, very rarely have first... semen. Yeah, very, not, not a thing women frequently do. Yeah, so it got weird. It got weird. It got weird really fast. So uh, I mean, That's again, really literally anybody who finds a crying child on the side of a road in a national park and thinks, this is mine now, is not, is not fine. That's not a fine thing to do. No. Don't, She's not a neat nickel. Don't take stray children out of parks. Don't just pick <laughs> her up for luck. The, the rules at national parks are very clear. You are supposed to... You're not supposed to take anything out of the park that you didn't yeah. bring with you. You're supposed to leave things the way you found them. Yeah. Maybe don't inform a park it. ranger that even, there's a crying child in the park. Natural state. But uh, don't, don't just take the child. Keep it for two years. Send a series of upsetting letters to a bunch of missing children's organizations, and then never contact the family ever again. That's yeah, not. Like, that's not correct. If your logic is like, There's... oh, people must really miss this kid because like she's a real sweetie. Like, if you really want to be comforting the parents, do not include the semen bit. You are not showing good yeah. theory of mind skills. You're not understanding things from their perspective. You're not... mm. Walk a mile in their you're, shoes. You're not making their shoes anybody. That are not filled with semen. Nobody feels better after hearing that their child is being force-fed semen in Britain. That's it's no, not that's fine. Incredibly weird. Incredibly fine. I weird. took her on a field trip to Canada. Does not erase any of the other shit. I'm I'm gonna call that I'm gonna call that a bit of a whoops. It's a bit of it's a bit of a yikes. A bit of a yikes. Um. Oof. So after the letter. After the letter and phone calls arrived, police received a tip from a witness who claimed to have seen Nyleen at a restaurant in Janesville, Wisconsin, a small city around 20 minutes south of Edgerton. So we have a lot of Wisconsin. This is a theme. Not a detective, but I feel like this guy might have lived in Wisconsin. Um, Just putting it out there. You know, the letters were postmarked from Madison. The phone calls came from Edgerton. And then she's cited, potentially, in Janesville. All of these cities yeah, are within a, like, 45-60 minute drive of one another. Like, somebody wants to throw you off the trail of exactly where they're from, but they can't, they're not too fussy about actually getting out of state. I mean, they are close to the border of whatever the fuck borders Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A map of the United States. I lived there for three years. I should really know this. Yeah, but Um, you lived in New York, which basically is the center of the universe, so it's got its own gravity. That's true. The rest of you is flyover country. (laughs) California, flyover country. Florida, flyover country. 
and tigers and also New swamps. Jersey definitely want to fly over uh, there. Da, da, da. So, so Madison is in southern Wisconsin, and it's actually not far from the Illinois border or the Iowa border, mm. or I guess Lake Michigan. So maybe she lives on a houseboat in Lake Michigan. But um, on the so there's things in the area. This is this is actually Janesville is actually not far at all from the Illinois border. But everything is kind of in this Madison, mm. Wisconsin, greater metropolitan area. But that's that's the last contact that the potential kidnapper has with Nyleen, uh, has with authorities rather regarding Nyleen, and that's the last clue they had to her whereabouts. And they really didn't have much to go on. This is. This is a person who claims that he's homeschooling her, works from home, and potentially lives in Wisconsin. Yeah, so very limited contacts. I feel like Wisconsin is the kind of state where, like, oh, he's a weird dude who lives by himself and doesn't- keeps to himself and lives in a small town in the woods. Basically gives you half the state's men. (laughs) Yeah, like, literally both of the major serial killers that come from Wisconsin fit that exact description. I mean, it's it's kind of like in Edmonton when they were looking for a murderer and they were like, he drives a truck and he's comfortable with the outdoors. It's like, okay. Okay, that's everybody. So he's... That, that doesn't... So you've you mean eliminated like four people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so he's definitely not a paraplegic who uses public transit. Gotcha. Yeah, you... Yeah, so being like, all right, he kind of he's a kind of a private dude who keeps to himself and lives in southern Wisconsin. It really it doesn't it doesn't help. Homeschooling in rural Wisconsin, meaningless, meaningless. So, um, so the case kind of went cold again. And in 1990, the case received significant media attention when it was featured on an episode of the television show Unsolved Mysteries. After seeing the show, a boy from Bellingham, was, uh, from Bellingham, Washington, near the Canada-U.S. border, called in a tip and said that he thought one of the girls in his class was actually Nyleen Marshall. Officials investigated the boy's tip and found that the girl was not Nyleen Marshall, but incredibly, she actually was a long-lost missing child. What? <laughs> what are the odds? Holy shit. You know, earlier... That's why earlier in the episode you're like, oh, every every kid's missing. Apparently so. Oh, apparently uh, it turned way out more that common this... than you think. Although they would usually be stolen it's by parents apparently... or Well, uh, it turned out that the girl's real name was Monica Benilla, and she had been kidnapped from her hometown of Burbank, California by her non-custodial father in 1985 and was living in Point Roberts, which is like a tiny piece of land that is American, oh, but is yeah. only accessible via the Canadian border. It's, it's a weird place to live. Oh, I was uh, thinking about that the other day. It's an enclave. Right, right. Yeah, you cannot physically get to Point Roberts via the United States. You have to drive through Canada. But yeah, so it turns out that the only tip that they got, the only reputable tip they got about Nyleen Marshall's whereabouts was a different missing child. So she had all like <laughs> these red flags that indicated she was a missing child. She just wasn't the right one. He just thought that she looked like Nyleen, and that, yeah, there was something kind of off about Holy her. Holy shit. <laughs> but, shit, right? So if you don't bear a striking physical resemblance to your parents, so Jessica and I are both safe. We're both just Xeroxes of our respective oh, mothers. Exactly but if like you don't mom. bear... Yeah, we're basically... Our, both of our parents just photocopied us. <laughs> Neither of us has a dad, biologically. We're just yeah, my, my butted mom's off our mom's shoulders. My dad's, they're all dominant. 
Except except the eye color. Eye color <laughs> might my, my, my look exactly like my father. <laughs> the only thing that separates photos of me as a child and photos of my mom as a child is the quality of the picture. Mm-hmm. If it looks like it was taken in 1970, it's my mom. That's, that's that the only thing we've got. That's all we're going got. for. See, how you tell the difference between pictures of me and my sister is, is the baby smiling? If yes, it is Jessica. <laughs> Does it look like it's planning to kill you? Then it is Shale. If, it, if you see a small child that looks like it's plotting its demi- your demise, it is definitely my sister. <laughs> but yeah, apparently if you don't know for an absolute fact that the people you live with or the people who raised you are in fact your legal parents, you should just assume that you've been kidnapped, apparently. They're just everywhere. You can't walk ten meters without tripping over a fucking kidnapped child. Just swing swing a cat around, you're probably gonna hit a hit an abandoned child and really upset them. <laughs> oh not nice. Uh so, <laughs> Is that your sound effect of a missing child being hit in the face with a cat? Yes. <laughs> missing children are all Waluigi. <laughs> 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 Everything in this episode is Mormon or Waluigi. Two things that have nothing to do with this until you came barging in. (laughs) I'm fine. So in 1991, you're very fun. In 1991, a man named Richard James Wilson, who was on probation for the 1984 sexual assault of a minor, turned himself into police, saying he had murdered Nyleen and a woman from Great Falls and had hidden the bodies. Wilson told the police where to find the bodies, but they never uncovered anything at the locations he gave them. They actually brought him to Elkhorn Mountain to show them Nyleen's remains, but he was unable to actually point them to anything. The mine shaft he claimed to have put Nyleen's remains in was searched and was found to be empty. Um, the man had a long history of fairly serious mental illness, and the police quickly concluded he wasn't actually involved. As we have mentioned many, many times before on this podcast, people like to take credit for famous unsolved crimes. Just looks, here's people the news are, and thinks, that might for, be me. People like to take credit for crimes for reasons that only make sense if you are a floridly psychotic violent offender. Why you would turn yourself into the police in 1991 for an unsolved child abduction from a national park in 1983 is anybody's guess. And but just claim a bonus corpse um, to be special and also have killed a woman? <laughs> <laughs> grow up. We all go through that phase. We outgrow it. Uh, claim your own murders. Don't be. Don't be cheating. Look over somebody else, some other serial killer's shoulder. Do your own work. <laughs> Murder your own child. You'd be such a terrible homicide initiative. detective. You'd be standing over some murderer, like show your work. Show your work. You only get. You only get half marks for this murder. <laughs> half marks. Take you away your gold star. <laughs> no pet Mormons for you. Um, so, unfortunately, Nyleen's disappearance was not the end of the Marshall family's tragedies. The family relocated to Japan in 1994, which is, on hindsight, not a tragedy. It's just a thing that they did. Mm. Um, but in 1995, Nyleen's mother was raped and murdered in Mexico. What the fuck? And it's... I know. What it, the fuck? It's it's the wildest thing. You can't find information on this crime. It's just sort of like a footnote in all of the stories about this case that came after 1995. 
Yeah, and I, I don't know that the case was solved. I just cannot find information about this. At the end of every article about Nyleen Marshall, it's just like, by the way, then her mom got raped and murdered in Mexico in 1995. And they don't elaborate. <laughs> um, I do know that the so cases strange. are not considered to be connected, because... Well, how would could they be? They be? Um, Nyleen's stepfather, Kim, was considered a person of interest in the Nyleen case. I don't know if he was ever a person of interest in her mother's case. Um, but police did pretty quickly clear him as a suspect because how? Mm, why? Why? Lots of questions. So many. So many questions. The the Marshall family had two other children, a boy and a girl, who were obviously quite traumatized by their sister's disappearance. And yeah, why just sort of take out your middle child and then make fake letters claiming you're feeding her your semen? None of it makes any sense. But that kind of brings us to today. Unfortunately, we don't have much more information about Nyleen's mother. Um, but the Nyleen K. Marshall disappearance is a cold case, and it has been for a really long time now. Law enforcement were, uh, they gave a statement on the case in 2017 and said that as of that year, they have no significant leads in this case. So basically, the only way this case is getting solved is if somebody comes forward, or if somebody figures out where Nyleen is, if she's still alive today. And in essence, there are three possibilities for what happened to Nyleen. So, the first possibility is that Nyleen was never kidnapped and that she simply got lost and died of exposure in the woods. Um, unfortunately, she wouldn't be the first child to wander off and accidentally perish in the woods. These things do happen, unfortunately. And they happen even to much older Searches people. for... I mean, they happen to... Yeah, I mean... Uh, I know somebody personally who went missing in the woods in 2012 and was never found again. So, a four-year-old can definitely pull that off. Searches for her were very thorough, but as we mentioned, the area where she disappeared is quite dense, and children do have this burrowing tendency when they get lost in the woods, which makes it more difficult to find them. Searchers even noted at the time of the disappearance that the terrain was so rough and the vegetation was so thick, they really could have walked right past her and not even seen her. It's possible that she was simply missed by a search crew, or that she got further out than expected and was just never found. Maybe some incredibly sick person found out about her disappearance and decided to torment the family by placing those phone calls and sending those letters in 1985 and 1986. The police do say that this person had information only an abductor could know, but they have never released that information or told it, hinted even at what it is. So it's possible that this guy took a guess and got lucky. We really don't know how specific any of this information was. As we've discussed in previous episodes, it's not unusual for people to take crime, to take credit for crimes they didn't commit, or to torment the families of victims for no apparent reason. Um, is this the most likely explanation for Nyleen's disappearance? Who knows, but it is possible. The other possibility is that Nyleen was met with foul play. Um, maybe she really was abducted, whether by the person in the jogging suit or not. Um, but she was harmed by that person who took her rather than being adopted as a surrogate daughter. Uh, I mean, a man in a purple jogging suit approaching children in the woods is pretty suspicious. It's hard to believe that a stranger talking, um, to several children unattended- It's comically pedophilic. Like, this is stereotypical. You're letting all the other pedophiles down. Yeah, it- Trying to talk to several unattended small children and urging them to follow the shadow, whatever that means, it just doesn't seem good. Mm. Um, 
unsettling. It's possible that the person who claimed to abduct her was telling the truth, but he was lying about what he did with her. Mm. Police have never released the full contents of the letters, but they made it clear that there were these unreleased details that they felt the abductor could have known, only the abductor could have known, and for all intents and purposes, the fact that she was abducted seems to be fairly credible. But the abductor never actually provided evidence that Nyleen was still alive. She was never put on the phone on these phone calls, at least that we know of. Um, if he provided some sort of evidence that she was still alive, we don't know. But it doesn't seem that he did. And then he provided no further contact after 1986. Um, it seems incredibly strange that somebody would kidnap a child, sexually abuse them, and raise them as their own beloved daughter. It also yeah. seems incredibly strange. That is a weird combination um, of things to do. Yeah, if if she wasn't murdered the day that she disappeared, uh, she would still be out there somewhere and nobody has identified her. The, this case received a lot of media attention in the early 1990s to the point that it solved a different child abduction case completely by accident, but nobody has been able to identify someone who might be Nyleen. We only have one post-abduction sighting of her, possibly, in southern Wisconsin in 1986. But again, we don't really know how credible that sighting is. And at this point, you would look Perhaps Eileen died... I, yeah, I mean, and, and by this point, who even knows? The age progression mm -hmm. is good, but it's only so good. Yeah, especially um, when people are very young and they're developmentally just haven't grown into the person they're going to be. Yeah, I, I've never really looked at a four-year-old and been like, I confidently know what you will look like as a 39-year-old. It's, it's, I don't know, they all look the same. You're just a marshmallow of a person. This is the larval stage of human development. I have no idea mm. what you'll look like. But perhaps, sadly, Nyleen was killed shortly after she was abducted, and the story about raising her and taking her adventures around the world was invented to throw investigators off the trail or just alleviate this person's guilt about what they did. We have no way of knowing. But finally, and perhaps the most interesting possibility, is that Nyleen could actually still be out there somewhere, alive and well, and probably unaware that she's the victim of a 36-year-old child abduction cold case. Maybe this case has never been solved because Nyleen is just living a happy life somewhere and would be fucking floored to find out that she was stolen from a national park at the age of four. I mean, again... The police felt that the letters from this abductor were credible. They really feel that this is an abduction. She really was taken. To the point that sh her case is officially listed as a non-family abduction on the Charlie Project, which is one of the main databases for missing people. Um, both fortunately and unfortunately, it's not actually unprecedented for a kidnapper to take a child and raise them for very long periods of time. It's not necessarily common, uh, but there are numerous documented cases of kidnapping victims not discovering that they were kidnapped well into adulthood. And it's it's fairly unusual for a non-family kidnapping to end in a child being kept for several years, but it's it, it happens. She She was quite young when she was taken. She wouldn't have had any ability to leave or call for help, and she it would very quickly have forgotten anything about her life before she was taken. Assuming the same person kept her and raised her to adulthood, she would have no reason to suspect that that's not her real dad. Queepy. I've also seen reports that pol police suspect that she was- that the, the person who abducted her possibly f had a female accomplice or um, married after he took her. 
um, so that she had a mom. They don't really know. Uh, they haven't, like I said, they haven't released uh, all of the information that they got from the kidnapper. Mm. If there's any reason that they suspect this or if this is just a, a stab in the dark. But it, it's hard to even say what Nyleen's life would have looked like. We don't know if she was raised by a single father to adulthood. We don't know if the abductor pawned her off on somebody or if he got married at some point. It's all a bunch of blanks. It's a, it's a big blank. We We only have a very limited amount of information that was delivered to police in 1986. Yeah, and the person who claimed to have taken her also claimed she was being homeschooled and that he worked from home. They suspect that this person likely lived somewhere in the vicinity of South Central Wisconsin, which is not exactly a densely populated state. Um, he also mentioned making significant changes to her appearance by cutting her hair short and having it go curly. It's possible that he managed to create such an isolated life for Nyleen that she was kept away from anyone who might have recognized her until she'd grown and changed so much that nobody would have made the connection. If what he said about traveling internationally with her is true, it's possible he managed to get his hands on fake documents for her, or possibly steal somebody else's identity. She may have grown up with a fake name, a fake birthday, and fake age, which would give her absolutely nothing to connect herself to her true identity. And I mean, when he says that nobody looks at passports, uh, he's sort of right. I actually know somebody who was smuggled into the United States on a fake passport. Um, oh boy. It's, yeah, by a child smuggling service. That's that's quite a conversation to have with somebody you've known Fun for a while. Stuff. But uh But it's true. It's actually not that difficult to get fake documents for somebody, uh, especially back in 1986. And uh, this is a child. Children all sort of look the same. It's fairly easy mm -hmm. to steal the identity of another white child. Um, and kids grow so quickly that it's not really that suspicious when a six-year-old doesn't really resemble the picture on her passport that would have been taken when she was four. It it's quite easy to do this. Um, I mean, I've never personally kidnapped a child and tried to mm -hmm. assume a fake identity not for them. But I'm experience. saying it's doable. I have stolen it's very doable. few children. Thank you. I know what I know enough people in college who got away with using their older siblings' ID for years. It's uh, <laughs> uh I knew people who just found IDs on the street and used them. It's people don't scrutinize the photos Not that much. Proof. Um Yeah. That being said, I once tried to get onto a plane and like they're like, oh, can you take your glasses off? They're tint, uh, they're uh, they're colored. To which I was exhausted, so I just responded, uh, African American. To which they responded, what? So, <laughs> because you are the color of milk. <laughs> <laughs> I was very tired. She called my glasses colored. <laughs> Thought that was rude. Do you quite lady. literally You're see the, the world through rose-colored glasses, Jessica? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but most adults who learn that they were child abduction victims do so when they go to apply for some kind of official paperwork. Uh, a passport, student aid, try to get a marriage license, uh, try to get a social security number, and they find that there's some sort of discrepancy in their identity paperwork. Um, maybe Nyleen's abductor did a really solid job of securing her fake paperwork, um, not that I want to give you advice on how to steal somebody's identity. Never mind their child. 
I mean, I, again, I'm not trying to give you advice on how to how to abduct a child better, but in cases of um, abductions where people intend to keep the children for a long period of time, uh, they often steal the identity of a child who passed away. You're you're given a, ch- a social security number basically at birth, so you just basically find a child who passed away super young who was born around the same time as your child was born and you basically just aggressively steal their identity Mm -hmm. um or you pay somebody off there's i'm sure there's ways it's really it's a really it's a really old it's a really old trick just walking around graveyards find some recently someone (laughs) dead around the right time like people have commented have been doing that for centuries we're saying this like it's a joke, but we really genuinely mean it. This is actually a way people steal identities. People pose as dead people all the time. All the time. Um, but yeah, so maybe her abductor did like, a really uh... good job of... Hmm? Oh, when people talk about like dead people voting, like this is actually what they mean. Not like actual literal zombies. This is actually what they mean. No, nobody's digging up grandma to have her vote. It's no. they're, They wandered through a graveyard and thought, man... I was born around that time. I look like a pearl. Let's take her identity. She's pretty dead. Um, so it's possible that he found, like, really rock-solid fake paperwork for her by just giving her a dead person's identity and she has no idea. Or maybe she was kept away from things like applying for federal student aid. Um, the guy did say that he had a pretty nice investment income, which is implying that he's fairly well-to-do. Uh, so maybe he was just able to provide for her. The kidnapper refers to her as Kay, her middle name in the letters. So perhaps he raised her as Kay, or maybe he raised her under another name entirely and just used that for the sake of the letters. I think it's also worth noting that the last time this case got serious media attention was in the year 1990, when Nyleen would have been about 13 years old. Uh, If she was still alive and being raised by her abductor, as he claimed... He could easily have been keeping her in isolation at that point. She's 13. He could still have been homeschooling her. They still could have been living this fairly transient lifestyle where they're traveling a lot. It would have been quite easy for him in 1990 to have hidden her in a way that nobody who knew her would have really made the connection. Uh, She would be 40 years old now if she's still alive or close to who knows what she thinks her birthday is. Uh, So there's a much greater chance that now she has social connections who could Connect the dots. Um, So basically, if you know a well-traveled woman in her late 30s to early 40s who was raised possibly by a single dad in Wisconsin and the surrounding states, you might be able to put an end to a nearly four-decade-long cold case. Mm -hmm. Lucky you. (laughs) Just start interrogating 40-something women from Wisconsin. Yeah, just like, hey. side eye every middle aged bureaucrat. Just gonna give him a look. Like, hey, do you remember being three? Do you have any confusing Start aggressively? childhood memories of being lost <laughs> in the forest with Waluigi? Just start aggressively paternity testing women in their late 30s to early 40s and their dads. Just stir up some, like, fucking 40 year old family drama that just didn't need stir to be up stirred. Some real- some real deep darkness. Find out exactly how many kids in Wisconsin were fathered by the mailman in 1978. Ooh, good stuff. <laughs> just, just destroy some families. Yeah, when I went to university, my year was the last year we were allowed to do blood typing. Uh-huh. We, we got to draw our own blood sample and type it. 
Because apparently too many people realized they weren't their dad's child. <laughs> yeah, that was the same reason that the blood bank told me that they don't do that anymore. They don't explain the, uh, the genetics of it. There was just way too many kids, apparently, in my college science class who were, like, finding out that they were type A, B, and then going home and realized that, like, mom and dad are both O. Mm. Wait, no, that's not even possible. Mom's A and dad's O. That- Whoops. (laughs) Whoops. And connecting some uncomfortable dots. Just awkward. But yeah, so, it's very possible that there is a- Woman in her late 30s to early 40s who just could potentially find out that her dad's a kidnapper. (laughs) Fun stuff. If your dad gave you weird medicine from the bathroom every morning, one, call the police. Like, it really doesn't matter if you're Nyleen Marshall or not. If you were fed semen by a parent, please call the police. Call somebody, therapist, trusted friend. Please call. Just call somebody. Just pick up the phone. Reach out. But also consider the possibility that you are a long-lost kidnapping victim. Just stare into the void and ask yourself, is that my real dad? Something every one of us should ask at least one point in our life. Although the first time I asked that was actually because, like, my father used to make, you know, like, oh, you know, like, where'd you get that dumb look on your face, the mailman? Like, he used to make those jokes all the time. And one day my mom was just like, next time he asks you that, you just say the mailman. Just say it before he can. You know, see how it goes. Yeah, he doesn't make that joke no more. <laughs> Only in the Peugeot household is your mom like, okay, Jessica, imply you were the product of an affair. It'll be funny. <laughs> He started. <laughs> just did not like it so much when his tiny child said it back. <laughs> if I made that joke at my house, everybody would just stay in their own bedrooms for four days. Oh, it would just <laughs> decimate Christmas. Just like setting off an. Atom I would bomb ruin at the my table. family. <laughs> yeah. And I already I look exactly like my mother. I just I basically just butted Xeroxed. off of her shoulder. So yeah, I, I could just wreck my family. Just spring fully formed from her head. <laughs> she made me from sea foam. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, that concludes our incredibly weird episode on the disappearance of Nyleen Marshall. Yeah. I hope you are incredibly disturbed, but that you can nonetheless sleep tonight. Uh... I have been Jessica. Please do not kidnap Mormons. <laughs> I've been Janelle, <laughs> and I don't it. want you to Go kidnap to any Mormons. Please, or they belong in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> and we have been fat, French, French and, and fabulous. fabulous.